Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Everybody, and welcome to episode 304 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, all by myself today. Jill is traveling to Seattle for the American Library Association Midwinter Conference. She will be the Professional Book Nerds delegate there uh, this weekend. Uh, if you've never gone to one of these events, if you are a librarian or have a librarian in your life, I highly recommend it. It's so cool. There's thousands and thousands of librarians that descend upon a conference hall for several days. Um, there's really cool uh, sessions that go on. There's every single publisher you can imagine who gives away tons of free books, and they have author signings and really great stuff. And so she'll be doing some interviews that will be coming up in a couple of months, I'm sure, when the books are released. Um, so yeah, I'm a little jealous. Never been to the Pacific Northwest just yet. That is on my, my list. Um, so soon for me, but even sooner for, for Jill. So she'll be back at some point. You may hear my voice a few times over the next couple of episodes. So if you're sorry, if you don't like, you know, just my voice, I'm sorry. Um, if you prefer both of us, I also prefer both of us being here. So I'm more in the same boat. Because she's not here, I am free to do whatever I want because we didn't record ahead of time. So I'm going to talk about dog books. Uh, If you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Jill is a cat person and I am a dog person. Um, So I thought I would go into some of the books that made me a dog person and then just some additional books that are exceptional examples of good, good boys out there and in the Pupperino area of our world. So all of these books are centered around doggos and just as a heads up, because obviously people care about this very much. um, If you are ever looking for a book or a movie or a show that involves animals and you're worried that the animal might not make it, Um, There's a website called DoesTheDogDie.com, which is a little morbid, but you can search for books and movies and TV shows and everything, and they don't give you any spoilers, but they do let you know if the animal survives. So um, things like, you know, this isn't really a spoiler, but for Marley and Me, it was a very popular book, very popular movie. Of course, it tells the life of a dog, and the dog ends up passing away at the end, and it's very, very sad, and I, I was one of the masses who sobbed my eyes out when I was watching Marley and Me, um, and it's one of those movies where I'm glad I watched it, but I never want to watch it again because the dog dies. Um, there's a book called The Knife of Never Letting Go that has a very tragic story with an animal involved in it, and it's it's the part it's part of a series, and I can't pull myself together to read any more than the first book, so... Um, some of these books that I have, I will give you a heads up about, you know, if there's something truly upsetting. Um, but I, I think 
for books that involve animals, there's always an implied something horrible might happen, but it doesn't make the story not worth reading. Uh, so I'll let you guys decide. And uh, for the older books, I will give you the spoiler alert because they're very old. Uh, for the somewhat newer ones, I will omit a spoiler one way or the other, and I will let you decide if you would like to read it. So what I'm going to do is dive through first some of the stories that made me a lifelong uh, dog person um, because I didn't actually grow up with dogs. I grew up with a cat named Phoebe. She was a black cat that looked a lot like Salem from um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, and she was <laughs> a lovable jerk. She was didn't like anybody but our family. Uh, she was one of those types of cats, which might just be every cat, who would lay down and you go to pet her, and then she'd get up and lay down like five feet away and then roll on her back again and be like, no, come over here. Um, some of her quirks included uh, stealing pictures off of, like my sisters used to put up photo walls. She would steal pictures and bite all the holes in them because she liked the like film of pictures, like the, the glossy part that you would see when you'd print off pictures. Um, and she also would steal donut sticks, which were just like a little Debbie snack that my parents would eat with coffee every once in a while. And she would steal those um, and blueberry muffins. She was a real, real pastry fiend. Um, and she would always need a fresh bowl of food from a new bag that you bought her. So those are just some, some quirks from my cat. But this is all to say I wasn't originally, I never grew up with dogs, but I've always loved dogs. Uh, I would always obsess over my neighbor or my neighbors and my friends' dogs. My parents always told me, like, listen, we have four kids. We had I'm the youngest of four children, and all of us were into extracurriculars, whether it was uh, sports or theater or you know just participating in various things in the community and our school. So the point was, my parents were like, listen, we. My mom was a teacher for four decades. Uh, she taught third and fourth grade, and my dad owned an insurance company. So basically, they worked a lot of hours, and it's like, we can't have dogs because no one will be here to take care of them, and it's not fair to the dogs. Owning two dogs now, I totally understand that because they are a big-time commitment. And fortunately, all I want to do is spend time with my dogs. Like, mostly if I'm not with my dog and people are like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I wonder what my dog is doing right now. Um, so it would have been challenging back then. All this is to say that I read several books and, and saw several movies that really laid the groundwork for exactly who I was going to be as a dog person. So I will start at the beginning when I was a child, a wee little Todd. Uh, my brother and I, who's four years older than me, and we've always been best friends, we saw the movie version of Balto, which takes a bunch of liberties, but... Um, in Cleveland, there is a statue of Balto. Uh, Balto is a sled dog that is famous for, in the 19, early 1900s, um, he basically did the Iditarod Trail before it was really even the Iditarod Trail, and he led a sled t dog team uh, to uh, like over thousands of miles, thousands of kilometers rather, excuse me, it's been a while since I <laughs> saw Balto. Um, and the reason that they did that is because they were taking life-saving medicine to Nome, Alaska, uh, to save all of these children who had diphtheria. And they made it in time. The kids ended up living. And Balto became kind of a celebrity for being the lead dog. Um, and he lived this really great life after the fact. And uh, there's actually a, in one of 
Cleveland's Metro Parks, there is a statue to Balto. It's like a bronze statue. It's very cool. Uh, so there's a book called The Adventures of Balto, The Untold Story of Alaska's Famous Iditarod Sled Dog. And it is, let me find who actually wrote it so I can make sure, because there's a lot of books about Balto out there. Uh, so this one is by Pat Chargo, and I will put all the uh, everything in the in the show notes for you guys, so so you can you know, get access to those if you would like. Uh, the Adventures of Balto by Pat Chargo. It's a juvenile fiction book, but it's if you're not familiar with Balto the Sled Dog, it's really an interesting story. And the movie is adorable. It's like I said, it takes a lot of liberties. They they give Balto a a background that isn't true. They say he's half wolf, and but there's just a bunch of adorable uh, characters, and the story is great. Uh, and I probably watched it, I don't know, once a week for like <laughs> eight years as a kid. So that was when I was really, really young. Another movie uh, was Homeward Bound, which is based off the book The Incredible Journey by Sheila Burnford. And this tells the story of three pets, a young Labrador retriever, a bull, uh, a bull terrier, and a Siamese cat. And their owners are in England, and they're being cared for by a family friend. And there's all this miscommunication, and basically the animals are left alone for several hours. And they're worried that something's gone wrong, so they go on this in- ridiculous journey to get back to their family. And they end up making it, and there's some harrowing parts in there, but... It's a beautiful story. It got turned into a Disney movie in the 60s, and then it got remade by Disney in like the nine. I want to say the 80s or 90s. And again, this is another one of those movies that was always on uh, in our in our house. So when I would go to middle school, I found out that this was actually based on a book called The Incredible Journey. And it's so fun. It's you'll tear up a little bit, but it's it's a beautiful story. And there is some common misconception that this story is based on a true story. It's not, but it is based on the pets that Sheila Burnford had. So she had these three types of animals, and I guess they had a really close relationship, even though one was a cat. And so uh, that's where the story came from. The true defining dog book for me that made me understand the full experience of owning dogs and appreciating them uh, is Where the Red Fern Grows, and that's by Wilson Rawls. Um, if you have never read Where the Red Fern Grows, just a spoiler alert, it is tragic and it's very sad. And I remember crying as a kid. I feel like a lot of the books and shows that we had as a kid this is going to sound very like when, when I was young which I know a lot of people a lot of people hear my voice and they think that I'm very young, but I'm in my early 30s. And so back when I was a child, we read all these books that were really sad, like The Outsiders, and we watched all these movies like um, Five Goes West and, again, Balto and all these things that were really emotionally traumatic. And um, The Secret of Nim and Watership Down, there's all these ridiculously sad things that parents would just give us, starting to teach us about emotions, I suppose. And Where the Red Friend Grows is one of those stories. Uh, it's about this young kid, Billy, and he had this long dream of not owning one but two dogs, which is how I'm living my life. And um, when he's finally able to save up these enough money to get two dogs, their names are Old Dan and Little Ann. 
He's really excited. Um, he lives in the Ozarks, and they it, the story is all about how they are constantly roaming the Ozarks and living um, a, a life that you would think dogs would really want to lead who are kind of forest dogs. They, they hunt, and they are a really great team. Um, and something tragic happens, and the, the dogs, you know, bravely defend Billy, and it, I don't want to get too much into it, but it ends up where both of them don't make it, and he has to bury them, and the, the thing that I end up taking away now as an adult looking back on the story, and I think I kind of understood as a child as well, I was like, not to be dark, but I have two dogs, and I know that at some point in their lives, they're no longer going to be with me. And um, it was a, it was the f- part of the story when I got at the end of it, and I read it, and I was crying. And I was talking to my parents. They walked me through the fact that, like, listen, if you want to have animals in your life, it's important to know that you know they are with you for in the grand scheme of things, a short amount of time. And it's important to understand and appreciate that. And I've openly talked about that about my my dogs. I love them more than most human beings outside of like my wife and my family. Um, and honestly, they're pretty much right up there with <laughs> with all those people. And I, and I, and I understand that they're going to be someday not here and it will be very sad. But I think where the red fern grows teaches you to appreciate the time you have with the animals that have such a strong impact in your life. So didn't mean to go all dark on you, um, but it's a, the book is so beautiful regardless of how much it's going to make you sad. So um, a few, so those are ones that are, are pretty, you know, well-known children's books slash juvenile. Um, a few others that are not as, you know, that aren't written for younger people um, that you might not be aware of. E.B. White on Dogs is a book by E.B. White. Uh, if that name sounds familiar to you, E.B. White did Charlotte's Web and a bunch of other children's books that are uh, very famous. But in E.B. White on Dogs, um, his granddaughter and the manager of his literary estate, this Martha White, compiled all these stories, um, essays, poems, letters, sketches, all sorts of stuff that E.B. White <laughs> did with his various canine companions. Uh, there's an essay called Two Letters Both Open where E.B. White takes on the Internal Revenue Service uh, and also Bad Fellows with its fraudulent reports. And um, he had this really like grumpy uh, wiener dog named Fred, which is just a quality, quality wiener dog name. I'm a huge fan of comedic uh, dog names that are human. Like Carl is just the essential dog name. It's so wonderful. And Fred is amazing. Um, But he was a lifelong lover of dogs. And this compilation, E.B. White on Dogs, puts together all of his thoughts on them. And I really think you'll you'll enjoy it. It's just a bunch of, um, you know, essays by one of America's most distinguished writers, and um, it's really good. And along those same lines, uh, "Travels with Charlie" is by John Steinbeck, and again, John Steinbeck, one of America's most famous writers, um, he wrote this kind of autobiography, which is a journey across and in search of America, and it was a journey that he took with 
his dog Charlie. And Charlie was a, a French poodle. And again, Charlie, another good, like, human-adjacent dog name. Really good stuff. Um, they were riding in a, a three-quarter ton pickup. And the course took him through 40 states. And it's just a, it's like any other natural autobiography, um, like a walk in the woods or things like that, where it looks at his travels and the things that he saw in the country. And John Steinbeck was able to comment on these things firsthand, but also the story involves his wonderful dog, Charlie. So uh, that's Travels with Charlie. (laughs) Really good stuff. Highly recommend it. Um, Along the same lines of people who wrote about nature a lot, um, I always suggest White Fang. Um, White Fang is by Jack London. Uh, Most people will go with The Call of the Wild. White Fang is sort of like the mirror novel of that. Um, And what I love about it is, if you've seen the movie, White Fang is, is pretty well known. It's about, you know, a... A wolf dog where it's is it domestic is it wild and people trying to interact with it and and it's a real good look at the relationship between human beings and uh, and pets and, and dogs especially and trying to understand uh, where that relationship started and and how it's evolved um, but what I really like about uh, White Fang is that a lot of it is told through the animal's eyes so you can kind of maybe get an idea of how the dog views you and it's just it's a unique kind of take on that um i have a couple more that are newer um the new ish i suppose i should say Uh, one of them is called the dog stars by peter heller the Dog Stars is about this main guy. His name's Hig, and he survived this pandemic flu like issue that was all around, and it killed basically everyone he knows. His wife is gone. All of his friends are, are gone. He lives in this small like airplane hangar, and there's only two individuals that are near him. One of them is this guy named Bangley, who's like this gun-toting survivalist, and then he has this dog, Jasper. Uh, And so there is, they get this random radio transmission and he decides to take his his small plane deep into the wild and try to figure out where the transmission came from and if there's other people around. Um, And he flies past what his point of no return is with his, uh, with his plane, basically like the point where he doesn't have enough fuel to get back. And he's like, you know, we need to find out what's going to happen. And he keeps, the the way that it's written is very... um, I don't want to say broken English, but it's written in the way that this Higgs speaks. So it's not traditional, um, like, standard writing. It takes a few pages to get into. But just seeing the way that Hig communicates with his dog is the exact way that most dog owners, myself included, interact with their dog. Like, I get home a few hours before my wife every day because I get I leave for work a lot earlier and our schedules are just different. And so when I get home... I basically spend two hours walking my dogs, but also talking to them the whole time. And obviously they have never once responded verbally, but they give you these these looks and these ticks and these kind of you know visual cues that you know maybe they don't understand you, but they kind of get 
the gist of what you're saying. You know, dogs all the time can like with our dogs, they're they're eight and six now. So just little things like if I say the word bedtime or downstairs or upstairs, it doesn't matter what house we're in. They know what what that means. You know, outside and the tone of voice and things. And Hig does this with his dog Jasper and the dog stars. And it's just a beautiful book. Again, showing a relationship between um, a guy who's lost so much but is still able to um, find joy in this relationship he has with his animal. And then uh, the last one I wanted to bring up here is Lily and the Octopus by Stephen Rowley. This is a little bit newer. Um, It's a national bestseller, so it's pretty popular. You might have heard it. But it's kind of like a mix of The Art of Racing in the Rain, which is another really wonderful dog book, um, and Life of Pi. So Ted is the main character. He's this uh, single gay writer who's struggling, and he's unable to kind of open up uh, about anything in his life um, except for to his companion, Lily, who is an elderly wiener dog. A couple wiener dogs in this little list here. Uh, When Lily's health is compromised, Ted is like, I'm going to save you no matter what. And it's it's really funny. It's poignant, and there's an adventure. It's there's a little bit of magical realism here, um, but it's just this adventure to save his dog. And so, it will make you get a little misty eyed. Um, it will. It'll probably make you cry, <laughs> but it's it's really good. I highly recommend it. Um, and there's you know there's several books that are coming out or there's that are coming out as movies um i think through a dog's eyes is one of them and there's just there's so many books out there that are from a scientific standpoint trying to explain why our relationship with dogs is the way that it is um but those are just some of the ones that i grew up loving um again there's uh, there's always an inherent risk when <laughs> there's an animal in a a movie or a book or a show, you get worried right away, especially I can tell you right now, um, I think a dog's purpose is uh, another one that's coming out soon. Like these movies are hard to watch it when a family or a young person gets a puppy because you know that they're going to age together and you know that eventually the life is going to end for the dog and it's going to be horrible. So you have to like make that decision of how badly you really want to see that or read that book. Um, and are you are you ready for the sadness that's going to come when the dog is no longer there, which is kind of a microcosm of how it is to live with dogs. So I know this is a little melancholy, but I love my dogs. Uh, and these dog books are worth it to me, even if they're a little sad um, because of the enjoyment that I get out of them. So that's 20 minutes of me talking about dogs. Um, if you go to our Instagram or Twitter, I'll be sure to post some pictures of my dogs in the next day or two just to, to you know, just because I want to and because they're adorable and they're good, good boys. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. I've asked for this before, and I've gotten some wonderful responses. So if you guys have dogs, um, tag us because that that makes my day. There's two things that you can do that will make me really, really happy. One of them is going into iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and a quick review, which would be great. And But more importantly, tag me in your dog pictures because that would make me really, really happy. So, okay, a little short episode, a little bit late today. 
Um, next week we'll have a little bit f- more uh, meat to it. But those are dog books. I love dogs. Dogs are wonderful. Um, I can't wait to get home and hang out with mine. So hope you guys enjoyed this solo expedition of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. 